I feel like at some point, because we're a, both adults, you are going to just have to trust my no. Yes. And there, I think that's probably what I'm learning to do. Hello. Welcome to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. This is our mom and daughter podcast. I'm Ingrid. I'm the daughter. I live in New York. And I'm Vicky, the mom. I live in Los Angeles. We're figuring out life from opposite coasts. Doing our best to cultivate a raw and transparent relationship that is also generous and safe. So mom, let's talk. Hi mom. Hello Ingrid. Let's talk about when your adult daughter says no. <laughs> dun dun dun. To you specifically. <laughs> the reason this came up is because of a request I made to you last week. And then you said no to me. You said, well, we didn't give me a definitive no, but you said, I just, this, I had a struggled with this. If you really want me to, I will do it. So, yeah, I think it had been a while since I had said no to you. Mm hmm. Because I thought of that too as I as I wrote you back the email. You asked me to watch a video, which we actually did a podcast on this topic a year ago mm -hmm. or half a year ago. Yeah. You can find uh, our podcast called Not Anymore, which has to do with interpersonal violence. Yes, thank you. Interpersonal violence, especially on a college campus. Like how do you how do you stay safe? How do you interfere with other people to keep them safe, etc. So when I emailed you back, I basically said, I don't really want to watch this video. And here's here's my reasoning. Here's why I feel like I am up to date. I'm really cognizant of personal safety, etc. But if it really makes you feel better. Like if, if this is a really high priority to you, I will be willing to do that. And so it basically was like a caveat, but I recognized that it was a tricky thing to say. And I recognized that it had been a long time since I had said no to something that you'd asked me to do. Yeah. So this is another transition to adulthood and maybe I'm slow to the program and most parents go through this a lot sooner. But when you were little, I came from the school of do what I say right away, no delay, nice little rhyme. And it doesn't leave much room for questioning and conversation. And that can become kind of a sweeping statement and not very effective for helping you develop a growth mindset and helping you develop agency and all of that kind of thing. I think initially when it comes about, it's has to do more with, is my child safe? Are they obeying what I say because of safety? You know, like don't go in the street kind of thing. A lot of other things in life can be rolled into that and in that maybe I can start becoming yelling at you. And, and when I'm tired and irritated, I could start yelling, do what I say right away, no delay kind of thing. So it, it can, it's easy, like most things in life are on a spectrum and a continuum and it can become easy to become sweeping and not, not give you room for conversation. So parents have to have a growth mindset too. And there was versions of that when you were growing up, but it's not something I had experienced a lot recently, like you said. And so the method of communicating also came into play because you, I sent uh -huh. you an email and I didn't ask you in, not in person, but over the phone or the Zoom, uh -huh. not out loud. And, and then you responded in email 
and that that I I was kind of like a little off put. I found myself being a little off put at that. But then I kind of it gave me because you put it in writing, it gave me a chance to step back and go, that's fine. She provided her reasoning and her rationale. Why am I upset about that? And Hmm. so it helped me think through a little bit about my reaction. But that gave me pause to think, oh, I guess, you know, how do I respond when my child says no? And what is that about? And we should probably talk about that a little bit. So then I did talk to you in person over the phone about it, about your answer. And that was helpful. So I don't know, in our communication style, when we face a tricky, delicate conversation, it seems to work well for us to put something in writing give each other yeah. a chance to think about it and then come around and talk about it, not just rely on going back and forth and writing. Because I think that that is when it can, tone is removed and when misunderstanding can increase. This is obviously not the first time that I've said no to right. in my life. And I, I think that the way that I've said no in the past has probably shifted. I mean, it's one thing when you're a small child and the culture of your house is obey right away, no delay, to say no, and then you grow up and things happen a little bit differently. So how did your reaction this time to me saying no compare to like when I had, you know, refused to do something you asked in college or in high school? I'm so interested that you immediately were upset by it when you read my email. I was, I tried to be really kind in my email because I knew it was in writing and I knew that I needed to be specific about my jargon so that my tone of voice came across through through writing as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to be really gentle and, and level-headed in my email. But to hear that it, it was still really upsetting to you when you read it, do you think that was like a relic of like past hurt or I don't know, like what – what made you most upset? Was it the fact that I said no to you or was it the like topic itself? Well, I think that that is, that's an interesting thing to consider. I, I think it's because it was the topic is close to my heart and it is, in my view, a matter of safety and it's right. a value that I have that my children don't experience interpersonal violence. And if at all possible, they are able to interrupt and stop interpersonal violence from happening to someone else. So I I would say, again, on the spectrum, on the continuum, from zero to 10 is closer to a 10 on a high value to me as far as the the topic. So I felt I felt a little bit more passionate about it. And I had also watched it and you hadn't watched it. So that's why it was valuable to talk about it because the videos that I had you watch last year were much more graphic and longer. Mm -hmm. It it was like an hour and a half video and this was only 20 minutes. So, And this was not as nearly as graphic and it was more about being the advocate that stops interpersonal violence happening from someone else and all these other non-threatening ways that you can kind of get in between an act that can be difficult. So I viewed it as something that was valuable as kind of like insurance, or I think I mentioned to you as taking a self-defense class, you, you renew, you, you renew your lifeguard license 
every other year, kind of the same concept. Mm -hmm. But that took more conversation and explaining to you. So I think that's where it came from. So were you angry? Did you feel misunderstood when I said no? Were you like, how could you not understand why this is important to me? Like, why were you angry about it? Oh, I just, I, I think I wanted to kind of make my case again to mount my campaign that, wait a second, I'm, I can't take a no until you understand a little bit more about what it, this is about. So I couldn't take the first I feel no. like at some point, because we're a, both adults, you are going to just have to trust my no. Yes. And there, I think that's probably what I'm learning to do. But depending on how important it is to me is whether or not I want to come back and say, oh, wait a second, I need to make a bigger campaign about this because this is really valuable to me, which is, I think, what all adults have to do to be able to circle back. Yeah. We've used that phrase before. I want to circle back and reiterate why this is important to me. Yeah, that's true. In, in every adult relationship, there's a, there's moments when one person has a request and it's true that you do when you request one thing from another person, you have to put in that request how high of a value it is for you. Mm hmm. So the other person can take that into consideration. And it's important. But so that's, this is a gross place for me. It's important for me to keep a flexible mindset to say, oh, this might not be a high value to you. And I think that that is what I've bumped up against a lot as you guys have become adults is considering where on the scale the value is to me and where on the scale the value is to you. And then reevaluating. Wait a second. Does my... Mm -hmm. value in that place need to be in the same place that it was or maybe maybe my value can shift maybe it's not as important as I thought it was and I think that is a lot about growing being honoring and respectful to you as you grow up yeah yeah I I would like to push back a little bit on one thing you said about the difference in the ways that we value it because I, it's sounding to me like you read my, no, I don't want to watch this video on self-defense as me not valuing it as much as you do. When in fact, I value it super highly as well. And my reasoning for not wanting to watch the video was that I feel like I do prepare myself on a daily basis. Mm. And I just don't think I could handle more than what I already consistently do as a single female in New York to constantly be vigilant about my personal defense and the defense of the females around me. So this is reminding me of our faith conversation about faith with adults when we talked about how in college we had a lot of arguments, you and I, because from your perspective, I was not being a faithful person. And from my perspective, I was like, I have a, I have a, a fully alive relationship with Jesus. Like I am a fully faithful person. But my outward actions didn't match what your expectation and you read that as like changing the entire inside of my belief system yeah and that sounds similar mm -hmm. here where in fact i do still hold that as a high value mm -hmm. and i i don't really love the fact that you assumed something so deeply about my value system because i said no to a specific action that you asked me to do that's fair again i, I think on, on a continuum it's probably not like it, it was, it's not, you can't make a sweeping statement about it and say, oh, you didn't value it at all. Cause I didn't think that. And I understand your reasoning. I just wanted my reasoning to be explained a little bit more. So that's why we talked about it versus just exchanging emails yeah. back and forth, which I think is really important 
that we were, are able to talk about. Like we can exchange an email and then we can talk about it because mm. what that's where if you just exchange emails, then misunderstandings can grow and people, I could harbor bitterness. But after being able to talk to you about it and hear your voice and say, I hear your perspective and I appreciate that. And then I added a little bit more onto it. Would you be willing to watch it with your sister? Cause your younger sister hasn't been to college yet and been through as much. And so I valued you having that conversation with your younger sister and letting her go through and watch it with you. So I think that is an interesting addition to this conversation because the end of the story is that I did watch the video. And so I did end up saying yes. And I did that based on this separate request, which I, which is another valid thing I value really mm-hmm. highly, which is the ability to be a, a voice of reason and a space of a safe space for my younger sister who hasn't gone through a lot of the life experience that I've gone through yet. And so I totally understand wanting to, or the, the value of watching that with her so that we are in communication that way and think in general like there's going to be things that she wants to ask me that she doesn't feel comfortable asking you but it does if we can maybe this will be hard because we're talking about personal things but if we can step back a little bit and ask a little bit more of a, a big picture question if that hadn't been there or if even in that second scenario I said no would we be having a different conversation right now Like, are you mostly okay with the fact that I said no, because at the end of the day, I did say yes? Oh, no, I think I after because I didn't know whether or not you watched it. I think after having a conversation with you and hearing your point of view again, and it it really helped for me to be able to share my point of view and to share why it was valuable to me. But then after I talked to you about it, and I kind of talked through the content of the 20 minute video, I felt like, okay, well, she heard my point of view and she heard my rationale and I got my point across and I don't need to fall on my sword for this to use piece of uh, idiom. (laughs) I, um, Mm -hmm. I, I I feel heard. And I think that that is super important as yeah, someone on my end of the spectrum that is looking back and saying, has what I have done mattered mm. to be extended the honor to share, continue to share my point of view and where I'm coming from is valuable. And I have heard, I'm not there yet, but I have heard that the grandparent generation sometimes also feels less and less of an opportunity to speak into younger people's lives in the United States in particular, less so in other cultures of the world. But so it's valuable to me to be able to circle back and have a conversation and have you listen to my point of view. I really felt at the end of talking to you about it after our our phone conversation that it was fine if you didn't watch it. I understood. And I actually didn't know that you would. I think, I'm not sure, did I ask you then if you would watch it with your sister? Yeah, yeah, and I said yes. Because I felt after we had a conversation about it and I was able to share my point of view and, 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 and explain to you the content of the video that it was a little different from last year, I felt like, okay, I sh- I'm, I, I'm heard and I didn't know for sure if you would watch it. Yeah, that's a good rule, I think, of adult communication, especially in the the long train 
of differentiation through life that mostly in communication we each need to feel heard and so if you as the young daughter are saying no to your mom put in enough context that says i hear you i understand your this value of yours and this is why my actions are not gonna align with that Mm -hmm. yeah even if my value does and and then vice versa Mm -hmm. i that it's really important to me that that you are able to take my actions at face value as well and aren't infusing layers of judgment in them because it, that isn't what you would have done. It was helpful for me to hear you describe it because I don't live in your context. So, and that comes yeah. from us living across the country from each other. So, so someone that, you know, lived next door to me, I might say, I know how you live kind of thing. But you, I, I don't see you right. come and go and walk all over New York all the time. So it was a helpful reminder to me about the context that you live in and the communication that you have with your roommates and your friends in your midst and all of that. Yeah, that's true. That's a good reminder. It is like each of us giving the other person the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, being generous. Uh, I love that, the benefit of the doubt saying, I think that you mean well here. I I believe that that you have the best intentions. This is what I understand kind Mm -hmm. of thing. That's a hard precursor to, it's a hard little phrase to put in front of (laughs) everything, but it's useful to put that in front of what you say, to say, I think you have the best intentions here. Could I restate this again? And it's, I think it's even even interesting that we are talking about this, but it speaks to our parent-child relationship. And I think that probably parent-child-children have this struggle and they might not realize it. Yeah, they might not realize it. And every relationship, every mom-daughter relationship is different. Mm -hmm. I know I hear a lot of stories about people my age you know, just saying no or just like hanging up the phone on their mom or just like, ugh, like she's so, she doesn't get it. And, you know, and like the truth, like you're right. <laughs> she doesn't get it. But what is your, like, what is your value of like how, how much are you going to help her get it? This was true of our conversation when we, when we did view, uh, overview those videos from last year in that Not Anymore episode where I also there shared a lot of like just the everyday vigilance that comes with being a single female in New York. And I remember you being like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've never thought about any of those things. It never occurred to me that that was what you went through every Mm -hmm. single day. And it's what I go through every single day. (laughs) I I think it's okay. It's okay if you don't understand each other's contexts. But then it's up to you to decide how much you're going to, how much time and effort and graciousness you're going to put in to just continually painting the picture of your context for your mom or your daughter. So I know it's easy to be revisionist history or to do the Monday morning quarterback to use another idiom um, to look back and say, this is what I would have done differently. But would you say that as you think about raising your children, you're hoping the conversation of give and take and being able to accept a no will happen at a younger age? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Maybe in teenage years with before adulthood with <laughs> going forward. Did you feel like you could say no when you were a teen? Well, no. But I think that has a lot more to do with my personality than your parenting. Because oh. <laughs> my sister had plenty, had just as she was just fine <laughs> saying no. <laughs> I don't know. I think everyone has their own journey and you really can't revise history too much. Otherwise, everything else mm-hmm. goes wrong, as is explained in every time traveling yeah. story <laughs> in the world. I know that we had like a really rough time through college 
as I differentiated and there was definitely a bigger sort of boomerang when it came to me or a pendulum, just like super extreme one direction, super extreme the other. And so as a kid, I was pretty extremely a rule follower and I often assumed what you were going to say and never asked Mm. because I just went based on whatever would have been the most conservative answer to my request. I was like, I'm sure that'll be it. And so I just stuck Mm. to it, which didn't wasn't very open-minded of me about you. Mm Mm-hmm. But I also only experienced you as the firstborn, you know, and that sort of sort of I think like that trope is true for a reason that often the mom of the firstborn is a lot more careful. And I don't know if anal is the right word, like just like it's it's easier to want to put them in a bubble until you have your second and third kid and realize <laughs> that it's they okay bounce. to let go of a lot of things <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I mean, as far as, like, what I'll do with my kids, I have no idea. I have less and less of an idea every day, I think. <laughs> By the time I get there, first of all, I'll have a husband to give, like, an entirely different perspective on parenting, which will be really interesting to, like, meld those two ideas mm-hmm. together. And, like, technology will be entirely different, and they'll be growing up in a world where they've always had social media, which even I didn't grow up in. So when it comes to communication, I just don't even think I can pretend to plan. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I think also it speaks to the models that I had around me. I mean, I had my parents as a models and the way I was raised. And then I had, I, I specifically put friends around me that had older children and I looked to them and asked them questions. And interestingly, many of the models that I put around me were very much more command, if you think of strengths. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, this is the way it is. And it's easy in my nature and personality to go, oh, okay, I like that. You've thought through that and I'm going to follow that. I I like now what I'm learning is the being willing to say, I wonder, and I'm not sure about that out loud Mm -hmm. and to process out loud. I'm learning in my uh, master's of educational therapy program, how important it is to explicitly walk through your metacognition, your executive function. This is what I'm thinking about and to say it out loud. And as a teacher or as a parent, it's really important to model that for any person that has learning differences, but really for any person any child growing up, it's valuable to model my thought process out loud. And that is not something I grew up with because I grew up with parents. And I think that's also kind of generational, that that is a kind of a new thing Mm -hmm. to model that out loud. But also specifically the nature of my parents were quiet and I didn't really hear their thought process. I I heard a mom recently talk about this idea where she doesn't have any rules and she has like teenage kids she doesn't have any rules for them really when it comes to like curfew or like any of those things because since childhood like like since they were toddlers she's had very very few do this don't do this black and white rules in her house and every single time has been a discussion Mm -hmm. with them and it seems to have been really really effective for her where she basically is like the reason that kids hide things is because they have lots of rules mm-hmm. that they feel like they have to follow. And so they just like curb around everything mm-hmm. else. She's like, we have no rules. And so there's no reason for them to like hide something for mm-hmm. me. So before they leave the house, it's like, okay, what time do you want to be home tonight? What do you think is mm-hmm. reasonable? You know, 10. And then, okay, like, te- text me when you're on your way. And maybe they'll call her at 10 and be like, everyone's going to IHOP. I'd really like to go. And 
she can say, I remember loving going to IHOP. That sounds really fun. I, I think you should do that. What time are you going to be home in this like amended mm-hmm. version? So I do think that there are ways that you could develop a, a whole like a much more collaborative mm-hmm. and like trust building relationship from a very, very young age. But I do think that you're right, that that's like a pretty new idea because past generations have been pretty commanding and black mm-hmm. and white. There were times when you did that with us and there were times when you would like try to do that with us. But because we had had such a black and white childhood, I didn't get it mm-hmm. in high school. I was I don't know that like I've never had that relationship with you. I don't know what it means to be collaborative. Mm-hmm. Just give me a yeah. time to be home. So yeah, I, everyone's going to figure it out. There's no way to like stop the hurdles. You're going to each have a hurdle of some kind. So it's not about like finding the Mm -hmm. perfect parenting. It's just about not giving up. I I think I've learned a lot about that from the Ross Green books that I've read. His whole concept of collaborative, proactive solutions. And you've mentioned the word collaborative a couple of times now. And he wrote a book called Raising Human Beings where he started with toddlers really talking about Mm -hmm. collaborative proactive solutions, which we had a version of, we tried to talk about things proactively and have formative conversations about things, but they were more monologues. They weren't really as much dialogues (laughs) with as much back and forth. And we also had the concept of doing it a little bit when you guys were teens, we tried to do it and appeal to the conscience conversations But again, we weren't quite as practiced in the dialogue. It was more of a monologue kind of a conversation. So I do like the idea, but it takes practice of of setting the stage with young parents to say we can have collaborative, proactive conversations about this. Even when they're like five. I think that was the thing is that she like raised her kids this way so that when they got to it, the time when they really did have the ability to have a lot of cognitive thinking conversations, mm-hmm. they knew what that culture looked like. Yeah, it, it really raises the understanding of agency where the child believes that, yeah. oh, I, I can make some decisions here. The beauty of having little kids is usually the decisions your child makes. If you're able to have those conversations, your child comes to decisions that are safe and pretty good, good for them. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. I mean, my little sister was here just this week and my roommates and I laughed because we just kept being like, this is adulthood. This is what it looks like. It's just making a decision for today and uh, you just choose what to do. But I think the difference is that growing up, I really did think that uh, decisions had a right or wrong answer. Mm. And all, all of adulthood is making a decision and it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one is looking over your shoulder being like that was bad or that was good unless you're like harming someone else. Well, I feel like I was maybe in my 40s before I understood that <laughs> because yeah. I was more raised in a culture where there was a lot more judgment placed on decisions mm-hmm. and to be able to step back. And it's it's like it totally spirals because that comes back to the security of the parents, you know, or the people around me before me, were they insecure in the situation? Were they, they're insecure in the situation, then they're going to put a tighter control on the person below them to, you know, it has to do with the control to make sure that they don't have to consider too many options. (laughs) 
but mm. it, it has to do with the growth mindset and the fixed mindset and and the willingness to let you try and it is easier if you start younger because then as a parent you have a little bit more realistic perspective that oh we're, we're coming yeah. at this collaboratively i love that phrase and phrase collaborative yeah. It can make baking difficult if you're trying to collaborate on a recipe, especially a baking recipe, which needs to be a little bit more scientific. <laughs> but uh, those are those are interesting places. Yeah, it might take a little longer, but it's, t- it's worth it. Well, take away from today when you're saying no to your mom, make sure that she feels heard and understood. And I think for both of you, drill down to the value that you share. Yeah. So you have a point of connection. That is a place of generosity. And then recognize the fact that, yeah, and we've talked about that before. We talked about that in our politics and family podcast. Drill down to the value that you share and then your actions might look totally different. You might have to say to your mom, I'm doing a totally different action than the one that you want me to do. But let's remember that our value is the same. We're just going to live differently based off of it. It's, that's really, I, I love that. Drill down to the value that you share. That's really worthwhile. And how do we live from there? I like that. Good summary. Good collaborating. Mm -hmm. Thanks for the discussion, Mom. (laughs) All right. Have a good week, Ingrid. Me too. Thank you for listening to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. If you liked hanging out with us, please rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback and your support. You can find more relationship tools on our website, HiMomPodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a topic or share your own story, you can DM us on Instagram at HiMomPodcast or write us through our website. Special thanks to Sienna Ryder for editing our podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon.